Welcome inside the coaches room, the number one podcast for football coaches that want to develop. Every week we talk to elite coaches and backroom staff to hear about their experiences, how they develop and how they develop their players. How to be not effective but efficient in the work you do. So what do you choose to do? How is this going to make an impact? All the things that are not going to make a difference, don't do them, skip them. And I, I remember Joe said, um, you're never going to feel ready for a job. You just have to take the challenge. So I did. In this episode, we talked to René Slegers. René is a 33-year-old head coach, but she's already been coaching for a couple of years. At this point, she's coaching FC Rosengard, who are the champions of Sweden. It's quite impressive to talk to her because at such a young age, she's already working at the elite of Europe. We talked to her about her leadership style and how important it is to build relationships. We talked about the coaches she worked with and how they inspired her. And we talked about her current playing style at FC Rosengard. Enjoy this episode with the talented René Slegers. You're now in your home office or maybe in your living room. But uh, how does your office look like and what is the most important item in your office? Well, hard to pick one item, but uh, it will be my laptop where everything is digital. It would be coffee. We start early in the morning, so we need coffee. Yeah. Uh, so that's already two. And then I want to say my colleagues as well. I cannot do anything yeah. without my colleagues. So that's yeah. three. Okay. So we had coffee in the last episode. We had guys uh, nominating the offices, uh, stating that their laptops were very important, but never the colleagues. All right. So uh, maybe you can go into that one. You have how many colleagues or, yeah, you have a staff. You're the head coach. So they are your staff. Let's call it like that. How does How does the staff look like? Uh, the technical staff is me and two assistant coaches and one goalkeeper coach. And then we have a backroom staff, a medical team, a physical coach. We have a psychologist working for the team. Okay. Um, but they are not always there in the office, but they work for the team as well. Okay. You're all sitting in the same room or do you have a separate small room as a head coach? No, it's one big room, and it's uh, it's the arena is really nice. It's an it's an old arena, uh, Malmö IP in in Malmö. Uh, so we sit under the stands on one of the sides of the arena. So okay. it's quite tiny, uh, but it's nice. Uh, we sit with the with the technical staff on one side when you come in to the door, and then on the other side, the the other staff or the other people working for the club, like the director and um, uh, communicators all the other people are sitting in the same building so it's actually really nice we work closely together we share the coffee uh, so there's a lot of small talk uh, and I think that's that's a strength we have in the club it's very um, uh, open and and we know each other everyone knows each other okay so a direct communication intimate atmosphere almost yeah yeah why, why are your colleagues so important for you? Because I'm well aware that I, uh, I don't know everything. Uh, and also, if we want to 
be the best coaches and give the players what they need, I think we need more people. And then it's always about how many do we need to be. Uh, you see uh, in Europe, I think, really, really big staffs. Yeah. And then um, I'm wondering what do all these people do and how, how what it's like to manage all of them. Uh, so I don't know, we try to find, and also there's, there's of course, a financial aspect to it uh, for the club, but uh, we try to find the right number with good people. Okay, interesting. I hear two things. So one of them, okay, is it all necessary? But at the same time, you're maybe also a little bit curious how you would do or how would you how you would manage a bigger staff or even more people. Yeah, I think so. I've I've never done it before. Uh, but you sometimes you hear stories as well from colleagues in bigger clubs and uh, wondering why the, the psychologist is out on the field throwing in balls into a playing exercise. Uh, the psychologist is still analyzing, of course, and observing. But uh, there can be many people sometimes out on the pitch, and it's it's. I think it's a, a challenge to manage all of them. Yeah. Are you in that case a little bit of a? Uh, do you have a little bit of a minimalistic philosophy? Okay, we we need to be with a small group. Not small is that doesn't define minimalistic, but everybody does their task. We don't have to do extra because we need to do extra. No, it needs to be very useful. Everybody needs to have clear tasks and that's it. Yeah, a word that we use a lot is impact. So how can we make impact? What's the most important thing for us and how do we get the right information to the players? How can they be the best they can be? Uh, so impact is an important word for us and that's why we sat down and looked at how can we be the perfect number of staff to help these players. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I wouldn't say minimalistic, but impact. So what's going to make a difference? Okay. Okay. And how do you want to make the difference? Well, uh, first let me say something to you. 32, relatively young as a head coach, I think relatively young. For a head coach that plays on the or works on the highest level, including Champions League, um, so you have to learn very fast because well, you've been coach for three, four years now. Uh, you could say that's not a lot of experience, but on the other hand, yeah, uh, if you are in the, that environment, you learn pretty fast. But how? How do you, well, let me go back to the question then, because I think it's relevant to this question. You had to learn very fast how to impact players. Um, so how do you do it? <laughs> big question. Uh, big intro. The question is not so big, maybe. <laughs> uh, I think a lot in my leadership and my philosophy starts with building relationships. Uh, I think if there's not a, a relationship, it's hard to uh, coach a player because you need to understand the player, I think, to be able to coach them and, and to be able to um, meet their personality and what they need. Uh, so that's, that's a big part of it. And also to be able to have demands on the player. If we have a relationship and the player knows that we want to help the player, um, and she feels comfortable in the relationship, then it's also easier to to have demands on the players, I think. Okay. Is it 
one before the other or can it start both straight away? Do you understand what I mean? So do you need a relationship first before you can start demanding or it doesn't matter? The relationship comes along the way. I think it goes hand in hand. I think uh, building relationships takes time. Um, but I think having demands on players, um, I think if the demands are very realistic, they can be there from the start. But if you start asking for new things or more, I think it's good when there's a relationship that's fundamental for the uh, working together as a coach and a player, I think, in that relationship. And how do you start this relationship with the player? So you, you moved from, uh, it's hard for me to say, Lincoln. Lean shopping. Well, okay, you say it better to me than, than me. But you move to uh, Rosengard, you come, you enter the door. And um, of course, now you're a head coach, but then you, you were the coach of the B team. Um, is there a strategy strategy for you? Okay, I want to build these connections. I have a, a process installed, maybe inside my head or whatever, but this is the strategy. Or you just step into the room and it comes naturally. How was how this for you? I think... Uh, being authentic is important. So I think I have to be myself. So of course I can plan things and we have structures for things, but um, I think we have a lot of informal conversations with the players um, within the working context. Um, I think that's important. And But of course we also had a structure for it. We had um, conversations with all players when I started working with them and tried to understand them. Who are you? What is driving you? How do you learn the best? It's not always the players can answer these questions, but we at least discuss them in a more formal way. And then outside of that, there's a lot of informal, small conversations. Yeah. You are the third, fourth coach in a row that, that keeps emphasizing that these informal talks are very important. Why, why is this so important? I think it opens up, it breaks barriers, I think, in the relationship, because if you're always formal and in your uh, role as a coach player, um, I think if you go, if you have the courage to go outside of it, I think the relationship can get stronger and deeper and also uh, a respect from coach to player and a respect from player to coach. I think it can grow from there. Um, I think being humanistic is, it's, it's something that I think is important. So we're all people, <laughs> uh, and we all, we all experience things. We all have things going on at home or, uh, so I think we don't have to be so strict in our roles. So I'm in my role as a coach and I'm in a role as a player. I think it can be uh, a little bit more fluid. Uh, do you see that, that narrative change over the last 15 years when you started out as a player and now you're a coach you're on the other side of course but did you experience as a player that this role was maybe more distant and now it's closer to each other yeah definitely i think in general in in society and in the world the, we look different at leadership now than what we did before uh, but i can definitely say that my experience when i was younger and when i was a player that we uh, often had very uh, 
strict and very coaches that were very strong in their leadership and there was not a lot of involvement um, they just gave you the instructions and you did what they said uh, and we would obey almost I would say I felt like it's all also different I think I was like that as a, as a person I was quite uh, observing often uh, waiting uh, seeing what was happening um, uh, listening um, so I think that's how I experienced those kinds of leaderships and and that also made that I wasn't super involved always in what we did and why we did things um, so it's interesting I think but but leadership uh, like I said I think it's changed a lot the the last maybe 10 years how we look at it what is leadership the way it changed um it changed well for you as a person it changed for the better you were maybe could have influenced could have been influenced better by coaches that maybe were more involved because you didn't feel connected i think that's what kind of what i'm hearing yeah i think so and also me in my role as a coach now um i would never have thought when i was younger that i would ever be a football coach okay and uh, that was it's not... interesting actually because you start so young it, it, if you look from the outside you would say okay that was uh, this was already in her planning yeah no definitely not so i i studied something else i wanted to be a journalist uh, yeah. also where, where i came from being a, a women's football player the you knew the pathway isn't the chance you get to be a, a full-time uh, pro is is not so big so uh, I was always preparing for another career after football. So, yeah. uh, uh, no, definitely not a football coach. Okay. And here I am. Well, here you are, full-time coach, uh, playing in the highest levels of Europe. Can can go pretty fast. Well, I, it's probably has to do as well that women's football has changed. There's more money involved. Um, so. Yeah, the the possibilities are different, of course. But if I go back to to you as a player and the way that you are coached, the way that you are coaching now is what I hear is also is different. So it's more personal. Maybe a few times that you are on top or above the group, but most of the time maybe in the middle of the group. That's my interpretation. But um, do you think? That changed for the better or is it just different uh, I would say changed for the better um, because I think all people in groups and uh, people who have leaders people have good ideas uh, involve them they have experiences I think it's very hard for a leader just to sit on top and think you know the truth and you're just going to give them the directions and it's going to work. I think often the people actually doing the job. So for me as a coach and the players outside on the field, they experience the real thing. We are just standing down the line and we think, yeah, but if we press like this and you run there and then the next player comes and then we cut off this passing line, we're there. We win the ball, we're fine. But the experience from the players out on the field is much different because also because football is chaos. Um, so it's very hard to predict every situation. Every situation is different, but I mean, I think it's very important to listen to, to the players. So from my perspective as a coach, I think it's for the best that 
the view on leadership has changed, that it's okay and good to involve people in decisions and in processes. Interesting. Was your, was your coach education already, um, what's the right word? Well, was coach education already organized in this way or was that still a little bit old-fashioned and did you have to find this out yourself? No, no. Uh, so I've been exposed to a lot of this kind of leadership um, because I've had coaches that were like that, Martin Gruggen in, in Lean Shopping. Uh, I have a mentor. I was part of a UEFA mentorship program, Joe Montemuro, coaching Juventus. He, he um, I've Former seen Arsenal him. Friend. Sorry? Former Arsenal coach as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen him in his role and the way he is with his players. Uh, but then also the, um, I think the S Swedish course is yeah. is very good when it comes to leadership and psychology group processes. It's a, re a very big part of the of the course. Okay, so out of your playing career, this is kind of the way that's installed of you naturally. You wanted this as you wanted. You well, maybe you needed this as a player, uh, and your education and your mentors, which is which I find interesting as well. I kind of naturally gave you this style and this is part of you as well because you, you cannot fake this. This is part of your personality and the way that you want to be with other men, other humans, let's call it like that. Um, so if you, you, you mentioned some mentors, uh, also elite coaches I hear, uh, and I know, and you told me uh, that you've been influenced by several coaches as well. Why were they so important for you? And maybe you can give some examples on on Joe or, or the other ones that affected you. Every coach I've had um, affected me. Uh, could be things I'm I'm still doing. I got inspired. Could be things that I felt like a player. This is not really working. Uh, so that's things I don't want to do. So it's it's both. Um, but I think from for me as a youth player, even the coaches I had when I played in the boys' teams in a little village in the Netherlands, uh, there's things I take with me. Uh, still, I remember things, the way we played. Um, I think we we might talk about it a little bit more later, but the Dutch way of man-marking, just follow yeah. your player. Uh, you got both. a number. When, when I was younger, I just got a number. Most of the time it was the nine, and I just yeah. follow him. Yeah. This, so that's that's really interesting. That's that's the background uh, where I come from, and then especially interesting when moving to to Sweden, um, where it's a lot of zonal defending, holding the line, keep your position. So uh, big difference. But the coaches, uh, I would say for me a turning point was uh, was Sarina Wigman in the in the national team as an assistant coach. I thought she was very good in relationships with players, um, trying to see everyone, the, uh, who they were and how, how to connect with, with everyone. But also she had a very clear vision. So I remember one meeting we had before the, the Euros in the Netherlands. I was still part of the team and we had a group discussion without the coaches. We had to, to set the goals for, for the tournament. And, and we said as a group of players, and I was very much involved uh, in that, we said, yeah, we want to go through the group phase. And then from there, we take it game by game. 
So Serena came and the rest of the staff and we said, this is what we think. This is what we want to do in the tournament. She wasn't, she wasn't amused. It wasn't good enough. We had to go aim for the highest. We had to believe we could win the whole tournament. And that's what they did in the end. So I think she was, um, she made us believe something was possible. Uh, So very um, humanistic, very nice person to be around, good at connecting, but also very clear idea and vision of where do we want to go and get the whole group going in that direction. So uh, big, big inspiration. Uh, And that was the first time I thought as a player, okay, coaches can be like this as well. So clarity is very important in well, in setting the bar or setting the goal in this case, and the rest of it follows almost naturally then because you know what the aim is. Yeah, I think so. Make make a group believe in something. Make them understand what the, what the process should be like. Okay. Uh, and, and, and looking at Serena, she wasn't afraid of, of telling us when it wasn't good enough or what we had to change. Um, into into the smallest details. So she, uh, but she she took us with her on the journey, it made us believe it was possible, and made us wanted to work for it. So great, uh, yeah, great example. And how do you take maybe that specific experience, but or her style? How do you make that your own? Copying, in my belief, doesn't work. You have to find your own things, but. Are there things that you, okay, this is what I took from it or this is what I use now uh, in my daily work? Yeah, but the combination, I think I got, uh, it was nice to see that you can be both. You can be uh, very good in relationships with players, not standing uh, there thinking you're more or over, but you're on the same level, but at the same time leading a group and setting goals and and clearing up the process for for everyone i think uh, that's what i'm trying to do as well uh, but i think i bring all these experiences with me but i don't think i'm uh, like you said i'm not trying to copy it but it's experiences and i think i i believe in this type of leadership and i bring it with me but then i am in a club and i have a team and i have colleagues and i am myself in this so it's it's a different process it's a different way but i i bring it with me yeah yeah interesting thing about well your example but also in general is as a coach you have your own ideas or you have your own goals and then you work well in your case with let's say 10 people of staff 20 players roughly uh sarina in her example had the same everybody has the same almost and everybody has these ideas and it's interesting when you leave it up to the group. Okay, what are your ideas? And the and the goals don't match. That's interesting. Okay, how do you then? Because if you push too hard, the the group will think, okay, this is not real. You will lose them. Talking from my experience, in my second year as a head coach, I still had the idea. I had the idea. No, top five. That's what I want. The players saw themselves. We need to fight to stay in the league which is completely different. So there was always, let's say, a shift. No, not a shift, a difference in, okay, where do we stand? What do we want to achieve? 
uh, and this is what happened also, but she was so convincing um, that, well, maybe it didn't even, it didn't really even matter what you were thinking. You kind of shifted up straight away after the meeting. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember exactly the reaction of the group after Serena coming in. Uh, I think everyone was a little bit in shock in the beginning, but then uh, we started to believe it. Um, so that's that's interesting. It's 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 interesting because because sometimes uh, presenting ideas or expectations for a group uh, is hard. But I think until now I've only coached a couple of years, but I coached Albe zero uh, seven in the highest league. And we were fighting against relegation. And it was really clear from the beginning that this is going to be fight against relegation. So from that perspective, it was easy. Everyone knew what we had to do. We had to stay in the league. Uh, now I'm coaching FC Rosengård. Um, I think the best team in Sweden, a big history. That's always the expectation or the demand of winning the league, going into group phase Champions League. So it's, Goal setting is not hard in the clubs I've worked with until now. I think it's harder when you're somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was, I was in between. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did end, it go? We ended up fighting against re relegation. So the, I couldn't shift the brand. And I have to be fair, we didn't have all the qualities that season to be in the top five. But my belief was maybe also... Maybe my belief was in the beginning, okay, this is going to be a hard season, but I want to make them believe that they are better maybe than they are. Um, so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy instead of the self-fulfilling prophecy of fighting against relegation. So it didn't really work out, but <laughs> it was very, it was a very, let's say, interesting season. And uh, we miraculously didn't relegate so well that was a goal on itself and uh, we made it but still nice okay so you had um uh, sarina was important uh yeah i, w I definitely want to go into your playing style we'll go we'll go in that a little bit later different coaches any experience there that you think okay that also molded me in my way of coaching or or maybe specific moments that you had yourself as a coach that were very important mm. No, but staying in, in coaches and inspiration, I think uh, Martin Schagren in uh, Lean Shopping. Um, that was the first coach, the first club coach. Of course, as a club coach, you have more time you can spend with the players than as a as a na national team coach. So we got to spend a lot of time with him and uh, he really took us with him in the way we wanted to play and why we wanted to do things. So I... I started to understand why it's important we make this run into this space because um, the consequence will be that we open up this and next player can do that. Um, I've, I don't think I've been in that thinking process before. Uh, I was quite intuitive as a player. Um, so I think I, I just recognized spaces. I, it was logical thinking. If the ball comes from here and the opponents are there, then the space should be there. It was just intuition. But Martin Kurgan was the first one taking me into this thinking process and how everything is linked together. So all phases of play, but also all the 11 players out on the field 
uh, against this opponent and what spaces. So I think that was uh, very exciting that time. I think it's been a big part for me uh, in my role that I, I am in now uh, when it comes to understanding football. He made you see the game in a different way. You saw more the the connections between different moments. That's what I'm hearing, at least. Yeah, definitely. Consequences maybe of different actions. Yeah, I think mostly consequences and and understanding what this will mean for us when we do this. I remember I was a, a midfielder and I I worked a lot on my longer crossing. So I think my longer crossball was quite good. So I tried to do it. A lot in the game, so I just pang, put it out on the other side, and I was happy because yes, the ball was arriving. But then he started asking me, well, "What? What's the next situation for the next player? What's this going to do for us? Because when we play this long ball, then she's in a one v one in the in best case scenario, but probably one against two. Uh, we don't have our players on that side, so is this a good ball to play? Um, so that's I remember that as a, as a moment where I was like, okay. Uh, it's not just about what I want to do with the ball. Uh, it's not just about delivering something, but what is going to be the next action for this player. Why is it so important that a coach take this time to really share his philosophy? I'm always I'm always giving the answer because it's, then you understand better. But he was the first one to do it. Why did you feel at that point also that, that it was very valuable? Um, in the beginning, I thought it was, uh, I wasn't so happy because I like to, to play these passes. I thought it was fun. Uh, but then, of course, later on, yeah, like you said, it's, it's logical. Uh, players start to understand the game better and you play passes because you know what the next player is going to be able to do with this or what it's going to mean for us as a team. Or I'm closing this space in defense because I know that then the next player will come and we're going to win the ball uh, in uh, in this chain reaction. So, uh, of course, it creates understanding for players. And I think having smart players out on the field is, is uh, of course, much better than robots. Yeah. How do you, because I'm thinking again, I maybe over shot myself a little bit in the time that I wanted to explain pat patterns, tactical situation, these type of things. There is a balance. You cannot overload them with information. After 10 minutes, 15 minutes, players are pretty much done. Okay, if you have a professional group, you have much more time. Uh, you can you can do it in different sessions. But how do you create the balance in, okay, you have your playing style. I'm, I'm desperate to hear more about it, but not overloading these players with all your ideas. Yeah, Um that's interesting because we actually have a player on the team now who uh, studies psychology uh, and she's doing uh, a study on how players can be focused in tactical meetings. So it's actually interesting talking to her. Uh, you are judged every meeting. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what you are all the time because I Push, think... As a coach, you, you know, I do on you, yeah, yeah. Um, but the... Um, uh, is she? They're not finished yet, but it's also something I believe in. I think the concentration span uh, of players isn't so big. Uh, so we try to have max 10, 15, sometimes 20 minutes meetings. And we try to present things, ideas or feedback them in, in uh, 
chunks, not everything at the same time. So yeah. it's, I think we we go through some some videos every day before training uh, to make it um, congestible for the for the players. Yeah. Okay. So one maybe one two moments or the one moment in the counter principle at one time. That's max, I think. Yeah, and and always uh, connected to what we're going to do out on the field. Um, so, and then uh, one part of it is also to to try to find the right terminology uh, when you coach. Uh, we've been we've been super nerdy with the with the staff this year before this season. Like, what uh, words well, are we going to use? It is a trend amongst football coaches to create all these terms or terms words uh, on half 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 spaces whatever we we think up and then some new analyst comes up with a new word again but okay sorry go on i know i know so it's and it's changing all the time i like language uh, so i think it's fun and i believe in the effect of language because um, we just an example from from our team and what we work on last year we always want to try to break lines and play through lines and try to find diagonal passes uh, so that's a lot of things we've been talking about. But then this year, uh, after all these nerdy discussions with the staff, um, my colleague said, but we should be talking about playing behind the pressure, playing behind the pressing player. And that we started introducing that for the players. And I think we've trained two and a half weeks now talking about this. And it's it's changed a lot of players. Okay. So, so only saying a thing differently uh, can help. So, so it's it's interesting. We are still fi- trying to find the right words in defense because everything is not clicking that well yet in defense. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I believe in the in the strength of language. Well, it gets me thinking about. Did you ever coach youth? Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, um, school trainings. Ah, okay. Because there you have all these implicit sayings as well. Okay, we do a laser pass, and the laser pass. Well, this is an example that we have in one of the webinars. Laser pass is breaking a line. So in exactly in the middle of two players, they called it a laser pass, and it works because it's a cool word. These right. kids all want to play the laser pass. Um, and while you were saying, okay, I still thought it was a little bit of a nerdy word, pressing behind behind the press. It's so much football language. So the, Maybe you could make cool words for adults as well. Why do we have to make everything football words? But okay, this is my idea. Now. <laughs> the players are going to think we're going crazy, I think. Yeah, well, maybe sometimes <laughs> you have to be a little bit crazy to, to influence them. I don't know. Yeah, true. But uh, no, with kids, we do things differently. We use cool words. Okay, with adults, we use nerdy football words. Okay, we can conclude that maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, but... um. Uh, language is important. It's completely true. And also it connects to a player or not. I think that's the main thing. What some, some of the terms are, we as coaches, we all understand, but players need to feel it or need to see it or, yeah, I think that's the same with kids. Yeah. And it's really a challenge as well. Cause I, we have our ideas so clear in our heads. So when we say something for us, it's 100% clear. But then the player doesn't have the same idea in their heads. They haven't been in the thinking process. So for them, it's not that clear. So it's always th- something we have to remember. So we always try to ask questions, 
um, if they understood and try to really be super pedagogical um, when we present things. Yeah. And that's also a strength in the staff because I'm I'm not I'm not the best uh, pedagogical coach. Um, so there's someone else in our staff that's very good. So I think we all complement each other. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you have a clear idea on playing. We're desperate to hear it. We yesterday we had a phone call. Yeah. No, I'm, it's partly Dutch, my style. But it's influenced by all the places that I've been and and the coaches that I've worked with. So you get five sentences to to describe your playing style. Oh yeah, dominating. We want we want to have the ball, and when we don't have it, we want to win it back. We want to be without the ball as little time as possible during ninety minutes. Very simple. Simple. Is is the. Well, it is Dutch. It's well, it's let's it's almost modern. It's how almost yeah. everybody wants to play. But you talked a little bit about zone defense instead of man marking. As a player, you were introduced, I think, already to this. Yeah, you when I came some, to so you Sweden, just a little bit. Yeah, so that was maybe natural in your way as as a coach. Um, it was the way you played at the last moment. Maybe I think you understand what I mean. Then shift from there to coach okay you take it with you but along the line i think uh we as dutch we think having the ball is holy and we have to play very beautiful otherwise it's not doesn't really count but now you're in a position okay you are one of the top clubs in sweden i don't know swedish football that well but i i have the feeling it's a little bit more almost result-oriented. Um, well, maybe look, at, look in your face, it's not. Uh, but what elements are now, if you look at your playing style, are key? What is the most important moment or what is the most the first thing that needs to be solid when you go into a game? Controlling the pitch. Okay. I would say in, in all phases of play, but particularly when we attack we we talk a lot about building long attacks and because not just because we want to have possession for the sake of it but we believe that we can make the opponent tired and find the right moment to attack but also because when we have build long attacks we have a lot of players on the offensive half we have good positions to win the ball back again and keep on attacking so it's sometimes a little bit inspired by other sports uh Handball is is going on now on TV and the yep. men's tournament. It's, yep. it's a little handball-like the way they build their attacks. Okay, so there's a lot of patience involved. What yeah. is what does it demands from the players? Uh, I think it's very cognitive. It's it's not always for us when we play in the league. It's not so physical. Okay. Uh, uh, but it's because very, you are physically dominant, or it's just not a really physical style of play that most of them have. No, it's mostly because we are dominant in every other way, technically, tactically. Uh, we have individually on the pitch often the best eleven yeah. uh, compared to the opponent. So we're often on the opponent's half a lot of uh, time of the game. So we don't make those long runs, long sprints. So we're often positioned on the uh, offensive half 
Okay. So this is almost the natural way that a game flows. You are dominant, so you are more on the opponent's half. You're pushing them backwards. Spaces are small, so there's not this direct pass straight away. So your so your key element is lo- you, you you said okay long attacks, but this is also something that is needed. Yeah, and then and then when I came and became the coach in the summer, um, I wanted to change something, and I was more direct play after winning the ball, so more forward playing after winning the ball. So that element is also there, and we talk a lot about variation. So after winning the ball, can we quickly attack because they're unorganized? If we can't, then we prioritize to keep the ball, and then we go for building the long attack. But but both elements are in our play. So sometimes we can be quite direct. We have the, the player types as well. We have a lot of speed up front. Uh, so we use both things, but we, we try to, to build ways where the whole team knows what we're going to do. And for them, for the players to recognize, is this a moment to go fast forward or is this a moment to go for a long attack? Okay. Feels a little bit like Guardiola. Yeah, he's... It's yeah. not, not to make a like a like a statement, but is it is the same. He's always in the same position as well. That he has to have patience with his team to find the right opponent. You are, uh, I'm not comparing you with Guardiola because I don't, I never seen your team play. But the way you describe it is there's there's a lot of patience involved just because of the the setting on the pitch, and you need players that keep thinking. Yeah, of course, he's a inspiration. Um... So I look, I look at many of his games, um, but it's also I wouldn't have done it if I wouldn't have had these player types. We have the players to do it. When I played, uh, when I was a coach in LB, uh, we weren't that dominant, so we couldn't play that type of play. So then we had to prioritize another way of playing. And I think also the club culture is is important. Um, the identity of the club and the club wants us to. To dominate by possession. Um, so there's a lot of factors playing in, but mostly I think my philosophy and, and the player types we have. Yeah. Between the lines, I hear that you have a lot of faith in your players. Yeah, I do. I do. I think I think we have a good group of players. Yeah. And uh, and they're fun to work with. I think um I really like my job working with them. Uh, they're very um interested in learning the very demanding of themselves and of each other uh, of course it's a group of 24 players so not everyone is exactly the same but if would have to describe them in general it's uh, it's a very professional group to work with and wants to learn all the time unbelievable it's not lucky but it's an unbelievable standard that you're setting yourself into or that you're giving yourself as a young coach you feel, I don't know. you feel blessed a little bit that you that you work here? Yeah, I do. I do. I'm really happy. Uh, and sometimes when I got the offer and uh, I was thinking a lot of time, not because I didn't want to take the job. My spontaneous reaction was, of course, I want to take the job. Uh, but then I tried to be rational about it. And I started to think, is this the right moment for me? Is it not too early? Some players on the team are older than me. Uh, how is this? How is this? Am I ready for this? Um, so it took a couple of weeks until we agreed. Um, but I'm really happy we did. 
Yeah. And I also took some advice from, I think it was Sarina and Joe. And I, I remember Joe said, um, you're never going to feel ready for a job. You just have to take the challenge. So I did. Pretty good. It's like, again, not the same, but I had the same when I was 34, no, 32, head coach as well. Players were older than me. Some of these top amateur players were in the team much more experienced than me. And uh, I was very anxious, not the word. There was a good, good tension to see how I would perform for myself. Is that the same? Was that the same with you? I think beforehand I felt like that, but as soon as the job started and I had to to do my job, I'm very um, orientated on the things that have to be done. What do we have to do today? Prepare this, have this meeting, this training with these exercises, and then we feedback. And then I'm very much orientated on here and now and what work has to be done. So as soon as the work started, I didn't reflect that much uh, on who am I in this group and what's my role? Am I ready? Is this, are they going to accept me as a coach because I'm young and I'm inexperienced? So I think all those um, thoughts that I had before I started uh, working, they kind of disappeared when I was doing my job. So when I was actually doing things. So is there a connection with you as a player? As a player, you were also intuitive. You just felt, okay, this has to be done, so I do it. And now you're, okay, different role. But okay, this has to be done, so I'm going to do it. There's not really a conscious state. No, and then, of course, every day when I come home, I start thinking and analyze all situations that happened on the field or in meetings. How is this relationship going? Um, so I'm I'm very reflective, but not when I'm in the moment, but it's always after. And sometimes I, I'm in those thoughts for too long. I cannot get myself out of it. So I have to train more. I have to do some mindfulness. I have to do something else yeah. uh, to get out of it. But uh, no, when I work, I'm focused and I don't have anxiety or insecurity, uh, but sometimes afterwards. Yeah. And is this, is this, the, is this your... Uh, are these your development moments? So when you come home or maybe you drive back in the car, you think, okay, this was my day. These moments, there was always these defying moments each day that are in your head. You think of them, maybe you write them down or is this your development process daily? Uh, yeah, so I really need to develop there. I think um, on the um, pro course, they also talk about a sustainable career. So how can you take care of yourself and have a healthy career because they see many coaches um, losing themselves in the pressure and in all the work. Um, so I think it's good. Uh, we talked about it a lot at, at the course. So find strategies to, uh, to relax, find ways to feel good and forget about the job. Um, I'm getting a little bit better, but I'm still not good enough. Okay. It helps we have a little baby at home. Yeah, now, yeah. So, so you, she doesn't <laughs> care whatever you do on the pitch. She just needs attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, but when you come home, are you somebody that writes down stuff or then calls maybe your mentor still? Okay, I'm in this situation. How would you do it? Or do you discuss these moments? Not so much. So that's maybe also a very good idea of you because I stay in my, my own head. No, you have to do it your own way. I'm just popping up. I know. No, I stay I, I too much. I stay in my own head, I think. 
but uh, we're uh, we're working as a team, our staff, and we often discuss a lot of things um, before and after our trainings and games. So that also helps in clearing our minds. Um, so I think the way we work together now as as a staff, it's helping me as well to feel more relaxed and calm when I come home. Yeah. Okay. Do you have okay intensive job? Or baby, wife, do you have time to read a book once in a while? Yeah, sometimes I get into book reading flows and sometimes okay. I'm totally out of it. Okay, okay. So there's no routine there. It's just, okay, no. whenever there's time and you feel something. Okay, what's the last book yet that you read? Uh, but it's it's a workbook. Okay. Uh, but it's, and it's a Swedish book. So it's, and I don't know if there's a English translation. It's it's called Effectful. Okay. Simon Elvnes. Uh, it's about how to be not effective, but efficient in the work you do. So what do you choose to do? How is this going to make an impact? All the things that are not going to make a difference, don't do them, skip them. So Is there a connection with the, with, which, with the topic that you started? Okay, making impact? Yeah, definitely. And it's it's inspired me as well because there's so many things you can do as a football coach and it's never ending. Players calling, um, watching games, staff meetings, having ideas, um, preparing the next keynote for tomorrow. It's it's never ending. Um, so for me, it's it's a help, I think, to to really before I start working or before I start doing something, is this going to make a difference? Do I need to do it? Is it not going to make a difference? Then I don't have to do it. Okay. How, yeah. how is this process for you? Because, well, like I said, some things I recognize very much. I also have long lists. Okay. What, what does it make it? Are you somebody, okay, I write it down or you think okay, this is the head, this is the, the, the head topic of today, or this is the main task. You'll write it down until you have it done. Um, and then it's gone or how how do you control this especially as a coach because you come at the club somebody wants this somebody wants this somebody wants this yeah it's it's still hard but it's it's it helps me a lot in in for example when we have video analysis do we need to show all these 15 clips we first make a brutal list with 50 clips and then we take away a lot of clips and then it's 15 left and then do we need to show all these 15? No, we, we have to go for less. It, it can only be three clips. Uh, so we really try to be, uh, yeah, maybe it is a little bit minimalistic, but impactful. Uh, yeah, so I like that the word. things we do have to be the right things. Yeah. No, we're not going to use the word minimalistic because it, you could say that you don't want to put maximum effort. No, it's about maximum impact. Yeah, yeah. That's my lesson for now. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's very interesting. Well, I think you're you are sitting here quite relaxed. You're very calm. Um, but I'm pretty sure that at the right moments you make a lot of impact yourself. Um, and that you can be very demanding, but that's my complete assumption after this talk. I don't know you that well, but this is a little bit my impression that you have. You seem very controlled, but I think there is a big fire in you that that yeah. can bring out yeah the energy as well there is a temper and there is intuition uh, instincts 
Um, like I said, with book reading, sometimes I go for it. Sometimes I don't. I don't have, I'm not disciplined when it comes to training. I just go out for a run when I feel like now I go out for a run. It could yeah. be any moment of the day. Um, so there is a temper and there is um, a lot of that. Um, I think it's helping me when I have to. Uh, but my role as a coach, um, like I said, I'm not the person that takes a lot of uh place in a group so i'm not the one always uh, being a leader in every group i can be very anonymous i think uh, in groups but when i i know there's something we need to do or we have to go direction and this is not good enough or i know the solution then i'll step forward yeah. uh, and i think i'm like that in my role now as well so i can be very relaxed and not uh not always wanting or needing that central space but when i have to i will do it yeah you step in you take charge you take control or you take your role as a leader i think that's what i'm hearing yeah and is it and also maybe if things go wrong that this temper also gets you to dig in new solutions well in your head you told me a little bit we're not going to make it too personal i'm not dr phil but <laughs> um uh that you maybe also okay this solution or maybe a tactical solution that you've that didn't work and you're going to dig into it uh maybe the way that joe pushed you as a player okay and i need to find these solutions as well especially when things weren't going your way yeah i can get really um into it um but then i also learned that spending more time on it doesn't always bring you bring you the solution so I think I've had some breaks between jobs and uh, really having the time off and uh, have space to, in your head, to create new ideas and solutions. Um, those moments are good, but often when you're in, in season and in between games, it's really hard. No, it's just running. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Uh, in those time off, are you somebody then that's created for him created for herself a game model type of file that that, that has all your ideas yeah uh, i do try to uh, all the time i have different files and all the time add things and uh, put things away or change the the terminology so i'm i'm it's all it's alive it's always happening uh, and I'm awesome. very young still. I'm very early uh, with everything, I think. So hopefully it will develop. Why is more. this so important for you to have this? Um, because uh, partly because it's nice to see what did I do for three years ago? What ideas yeah. did I have? Um, reflecting on yourself, probably. Reflecting yeah. on your playing style, on your ideas, yeah. And sometimes forgetting about okay, this is was a this was a game plan we had, or this was principles we had when we lost the ball. That's actually really nice. I have to start using using that again because it fits this team. Or, um, but yeah, no, I think a lot of things in my in my head. So it's nice to put the ideas uh, into documents. Yeah, they say it's, the head is not made for keeping or storing things eh? you have to take it out of your head put it on paper and just read it whenever yeah especially my head i am so i my brain is there's no space for storage at all no. i forget everything so i have to write it down yeah, there's advantages there 
and there's disadvantages there. I you, know. Yeah, yeah. Big okay. disadvantages. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Okay, I think I think we have a we have some insight in your style of working, in your philosophy. Uh, I think if we look at some footage of Guardiola, and hopefully if we look at some footage from your team, we can see some comparisons. Um, maybe I'll do it afterwards just to to judge you a little. Okay. But um, no, so far, no, so far, this has been uh, very interesting. I also think the pace that you are growing in your role is pretty impressive. But you seem to be very relaxed, humble, but on the back end of it, you work like crazy. That's a little bit of my impression that I have from you uh, after one hour of talking. Am I correct? Yeah, I think the the yeah, that's the way I want to uh, to be perceived. I think. Okay, great. We heard some good stories about uh, the people that you work with. There's probably much more there, so maybe there's an, uh, another time that we continue on that. But for now, uh, I would like to ask you, who should we talk to next? Yeah, he's he's been in the in the conversation already. It's I, I would want to say Joe Montemuro because. Um, I I think he's been a big inspiration for me. He's he's got a really interesting leadership style, which is uh, very exceptional. I think different from from others, uh, but at the same time, also the way he makes his teams play um, with a lot of freedom, but they have a, a clear framework. So I think that's that's really interesting. I don't know. He he's the coach of Juventus now, and he has probably a lot of things to do, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say Joe. We'll see if we can get him uh, get him on, but uh, yeah, he's in the last eight of the Champions League, so uh, he is uh, has a game every three four days, I think. Australian guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, let's let's see. Uh, maybe with with a little bit of help of you, if we can get him on. And um, is there anything that you didn't share that you wanted to share? I don't think so. You said everything. I think so. Great. I, I, I forget everything, so I don't remember what I said. <laughs> well, you, you didn't make any notes, but <laughs> yeah. that's good. Okay. Well, great. Uh, I want to thank you very much. Thank you, Rene. And um, you. I wish you best of luck in uh, in your preseason. Thank Hopefully you. it's not too much influenced by all current challenges, let's call it like that. It's 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 always there, but as long as we don't get too many players sick at the same time, we're we're okay. Yeah, at the same time, uh, and we had another coach telling this as well. It, it opens up the pathway for young players as well, so the, there's an advantage as well. Uh, yeah. That's the positive side of it. Uh, but I wish you best of luck, and uh, hopefully it's going to be a successful season. Uh, and uh, I will definitely follow you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very you. much.